Welcome to the Rimfire Tactical Podcast. This is your host, Chris, from RimfireTactical.com. I'm glad you're here. So welcome to episode 42 of the Rimfire Tactical Podcast, everyone. Excited to have you here. Looking forward to talking about a subject that is near and dear to my heart today. Uh, Something that I talk about a lot, and yet somehow I managed to screw it up really bad. Um, Before we get to that, though, I just want to talk a little bit first about different ways that you can reach out to us and uh, communicate with us. If you are not a member of the Rimfire Tactical Facebook group, I'd like to ask you to head on over there. Just go into the search bar on Facebook, type in Rimfire Tactical, and you're actually going to see three results. You're going to see a group, the Rimfire Tactical group, and all you got to do is uh, request to become a member there. You're also going to see Rimfire Tactical as a business page, and make sure to give that one a like. And then you're also going to see a Rimfire Tactical Facebook uh, page for the it's a Rimfire Tactical podcast uh, business page. Give that one a like as well. The reason we want to give those a like is anytime there's updates made on either of the business pages, you'll get notified about it. And the reason you want to join the group is to take part in some incredible discussion there. Well over 6,000 members, uh, averaging almost 20,000 posts per month, and uh, just tons of engagement. It's a great place uh, to not only um, provide lots of value with helping other shooters, sharing your knowledge, but also it's a great place to ask questions uh, whenever you're considering trying something new, whether it's uh, looking at a new rifle or handgun, scopes, ammunition, ideas for how to shoot matches, lots of different things. There's a wealth of knowledge there. Absolutely agree, or you encourage you to be a member of that. In addition to that, if you are a big fan of Instagram, definitely do a search there and find us, Rimfire Tactical on Instagram. Uh, There's actually a couple that I've now learned that are on there. One of them is the Rimfire Tactical um, Instagram page that is ours. It will be the one that has lots of pictures of voodoo rifles, uh, CZs, onshoots, just a a ton of different uh, photos. And then um, there's another one, apparently, uh, whoever, I guess, started that one, um, I guess, is they either like or work with onshoots, because uh, all their rifles seem to be onshoots. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, give us a follow there, and you can get in touch with us. You can also head over to the rimfiretactical.com website, where not only can you check out our blog posts, You'll be able to get updates as things are happening with the site, uh, including some merchandise that is going to be available uh, very, very soon. And you'll also be able to get some updates as we are in the process of putting together a forum. Uh, that forum idea started quite some time ago, and unfortunately, uh, with COVID and everything, I just got put on the back burner, but we are... Uh, actively moving towards getting that done. Uh, You can also, from the Rimfire Tactical uh, website, you can link over to us on Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, You can also email us. Uh, You can fill out the contact form on the website, or you can simply just go ahead and send us a a direct email. Uh, That address is contact 
at rimfiretactical.com. So if you're someone that would like to be um, considered to be on a future episode of the podcast, by all means, reach out. Any of those methods will work. Uh, if you have ideas for um, future episodes, <clears throat> topics, conversation, please reach out. Let us know. Our goal with this podcast is to talk about and provide information on the topics that you want to hear, not just things that you know we're randomly talking about. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, if you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you've more than likely heard me talk about uh, how I prepare for a match and why you should prepare for a match, things to do, etc. I'm a big, big proponent of that. I'm a big proponent of preparation in general. Um, you know, from a young age, I always heard uh, prior uh, prepar- let's see, how's it go? <laughs> I can't say it now. Prior preparation prevents poor performance. It's the five P's. Uh, sometimes six P's. They throw somebody something else in there. But, um, you know, I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that in, in business. I believe it in shooting. I believe it in personal things. I believe if you prepare, then you are ready and you stand a much better chance of having a great performance. And that's regardless of, like I said, whether we're talking business, something personal, shooting, whatever the case may be. So about a month ago, I had an opportunity to shoot a match. And uh, I talked about it on the previous episode. And this isn't an NRL match. This is a different type of match. It's actually one that is uh, shot from the bench. All the shooting takes place on a bench but you're shooting the silhouette targets from 80 yards out to 200. And, you know, that particular match, um, it's a lot of fun. I really do enjoy it. And I mentioned in that, uh, the episode where I talked about it, how I took a friend of mine to it. Uh, it was his first time seeing a match like that. And, you know, we had a great time. Uh, we stopped off at the range that I belong to and shot some later on. Well, due to, uh, no other matches happening in the area and lots of other things taking place uh, combined with some, um, well, some business stuff. I had to do some travel, some things like that. Um, I hadn't shot since that day, since that match. And, you know, is that the worst thing in the world? No. Um, I mean, would I like to go out and be able to shoot daily? Absolutely. Uh, but where I live, that's just not an option. Um, I've got about a 30 to 45 minute drive to the range, depending on traffic, um, or an hour and a half to get to my farm. And in either case, you know, that's a, that takes a little bit of time and it's just not something I can do on a daily basis. Well, this past weekend, my local NRL 22 match, uh, got started again. This is the first match since March. Uh, the March match, thankfully, um, they, sque- they were able to squeeze that in just before quarantine happened. So haven't shot an NRL match in uh, a couple months. And then, um, like I said, nearly a month ago, was able to shoot this silhouette match. And that's pretty much been it, except for uh, an occasional trip on a Saturday to the range for a bit. So fast forward. 
this NRL 22 match is coming up and you know, it occurs to me on really about Thursday of the week going into the, the weekend of the match. I've been out of town traveling. I was gone from Sunday until um, late Wednesday. I got back in. So on Thursday, I started thinking more and more about this match and realized, gosh, I haven't shot in nearly a month. I really need to get myself squared away. Um, I really need to take a few minutes and just run by the range, check zero, check my dope, make sure everything's good to go. This is something I do every single match. I always try to go at least a day or two ahead of the match. And I'm not talking about an extended range session. I'm talking, you know, maybe shoot um, a group of five rounds, maybe at each distance that I know the targets are going to be on the, uh, the course of fire. That's my preparation. So if there's targets at 30 yards, 35, 50, 75, 80, whatever those targets happen to be, I'll go ahead and shoot uh, targets at those distances just to make sure that my dope is accurate. In the past, that has served me well. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean you know I'm going to win, but you know at least I go into a match not second guessing things, not questioning my zero or any of these other things. Well, Thursday, <clears throat> my schedule slammed, so there was no way to get to the range. But no problem, I've got Friday, right? The only thing is, because I was gone Sunday through Wednesday, my schedule was slammed on Friday as well, to the point that there was no way to get to the range. So I thought, no big deal. You know, I'll get to the range or to the match early. I'll check my zero. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to trust my dope. My dope's been solid. It's good. I know we're good. Well, one of the things that I've also talked in previous episodes about several times is the fact that um, I like to load all of my magazines, or at least the number of magazines I'm going to take for the match. I like to have those loaded up the night before so that basically when I show up at the match, the only thing I have to do is put magazines in a rifle and shoot and change magazines. And when I come home, you know, uh, I haven't had to load a magazine all day. That's my, my plan. And I've been fortunate enough to pick up um, extra magazines so that that's not an issue. I mean, an NRL 22 match, there's 50 rounds uh, required for the match. Most of the matches that I've, all the matches I think that I've been a part of have had at least one, if not two bonus stages. And those are typically going to be 10 to 12 or maybe 15 rounds each. So, you know, in essence, you know, uh, perfect example of the match that I shot, there was a total of 72 rounds that were needed for the match. I believe in having, you know, not only some extra magazines that are loaded, but I also take some ammunition in a box as well. That way I know that I'm good to go. So I load up typically 100 rounds, and that way I know I've got everything covered. Well, as I've started getting things together at like 
8.30 or 9 o'clock on Friday night, I suddenly have a whole different scenario pop up because all of a sudden I realize, A, the last match I shot was a silhouette match. Well, in a silhouette match, I don't need a sling and I can't find my short action precision. I can't say that. I can't talk today. Short action precision sap sling. I can't find it anywhere. In addition to not being able to find it, I have an awesome um, open chamber, chamber indicator from Yautech and can't find it anywhere. Now, the, the sap sling wasn't something that I needed for the silhouette match. And I did something which I normally would never do. And I, I must have, I took it out of my range bag. The open chamber indicator is something that's needed at every single match. And the one that I use the most is one that fits into the mag well. It has a piece that comes up and blocks the bolt from closing. And that's the one I typically leave in the rifle. For some reason, it's gone. Can't find that anywhere. So I'm starting to have a real, you know, moment of, oh my gosh, what's happening here? So I spent the better part of an hour combing through everything. And I don't know about you guys, but on a side note, a lot of people, not just myself, use some of their quarantine time um, to do some straightening up, some organizing, some cleaning, call it what you will. And so I had several things that I had moved around as I've been mounting scopes on rifles, moving or, you know, uh, reorganizing things. And I mean, literally spent at least 45 minutes just trying to find the sap sling because if you know anything about NRL 22, there's always going to be at least one positional stage. And that is a weak spot for, my, for me. It's one that I'm working on improving, but I'm still a long way from it. And so any little tip or trick that I can use to try to get better, I'm all about it. And that sling definitely helps. Well, thankfully, I found the sling. I never did find the uh, open chamber indicator. Um, pretty much just gave up on looking for that. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those little things. Like it's this little nagging thought in the back of my head. Where could that thing be? But I did manage to make sure I had magazines loaded, um, a chair to be able to sit down in at the match, uh, spotting scope, tripod, all the other things that you know I normally take to the match because there's always a need for spotting scopes to help spot impacts and things like that. So ultimately, when I finally did go to bed on Friday night, I felt like outside of just being really annoyed because I couldn't find that um, that Yautech um, open bolt indicator, everything else was fine. So the next morning, I get up bright and early. I'm excited, pumped, ready to go shoot a match. That's not new. That's you know pretty typical for match day. But for some reason, I started second guessing because the same guy that I had taken with me to the silhouette match, he wanted to tag along and go to this NRL 22 match uh, just to watch. I tried to encourage him to shoot, but he wanted to watch just, you know, kind of get 
a feel for how it goes, much like you did with the silhouette match. And I get that. I mean, I, I can't fault him for, for doing that. And especially um, after looking at the course of fire, he was not that excited um, about you know, taking a rifle out there and banging around on on the props and everything until he had a better idea of how hard he had to run and things like that. So I got up early, um, and one of the things that, that I did uh, the night before, about forgot this, and this is just a tip. I'm sure most people do this. I'm sure I'm not the only one by far, but whenever you go to shoot, especially something uh, like an NRL 22 match, we're fortunate to know at least two weeks ahead of your match, depending on when your match is each month. You usually will have at least two weeks of time from when the, the course layout, all the stages uh, that's posted and available for download on the NRL 22 website. So you have plenty of time to not only practice getting into the positions that are required for each stage. You can actually take those props and, you know, all these are props that most people have access to, um, a ladder, maybe a tire. You may not have a tire at your house. Um, I don't have an extra tire at my house, but, um, you can, you know, find a bucket or something that's similar in, in height to a tire. Um, like I said, step ladder, most people are going to have a step ladder, uh, 55 gallon drum. You may not have a 55 gallon drum, but you've probably got something that you can use at similar size to practice at your house. And you can do these things just dry firing. I mean, if you can go to the range and put rounds down range, that's fantastic. That's what I prefer to do. But if nothing else, you have the stage design all available to you. So you've got plenty of time to figure out how to get into position. Um, this month, there was a stage, and I think there was a similar stage in uh, March where you had to shoot strong side, weak side. Uh, so you've got plenty of time where you can throw down the bipods, lay down on your belly in your living room floor, and practice getting behind the rifle, strong side, and then transition to weak side. Strong side, weak side. Learn how to run the bolt with your right hand. If you're if you're right-handed, learn how to run the bolt when you, you're uh, shooting left-handed. You know, figure the whole thing out. The other thing that is also on those the, the stage layouts, you know not only what you're shooting off of, whether you're shooting prone, um, prone supported, or prone unsupported, or standing unsupported. You know if you're shooting off of a barricade or a tank trap. You know what you're shooting off of. You know the size of the target you're shooting, and you know the distance. And the distance is a big thing to me. And I want to go into a bit of an explanation on why. When I go to a lot of matches, what I tend to see is usually most of the matches have a lot of the same shooters from one month to the next. That's great. I love that. I love getting to see people, you know, that in some cases, like the silhouette match, I hadn't seen a lot of those guys in uh, months since probably, I guess, September or October of last year. So it was great to see them. Um, it, it's great to reconnect. But 
what I've noticed is when I go to a lot of the matches, I see a lot of shooters that don't know they're dope. And I guess maybe I'm oversimplifying it some, but when you already know ahead of time the distance you're going to shoot the targets, and those targets aren't, they're not moving. If you know that you're going to shoot a match that has targets at 80 yards, 125 yards, 165 yards, and 200 yards, you know those four distances, that that is the distance those targets are going to be shot. They're shot at that same, those same ranges every single match. It's not real hard to get a zero, whatever you want to zero your rifle at, 25 yards, 50 yards, you know, whatever you're going to zero it, it's not hard to shoot at those ranges, figure out what the, the bullet drop is at each range, write that down on a notebook, a piece of paper, write it down somewhere, store it in your phone, use an app, whatever you prefer, but it's not going to change dramatically from day to day, month to month. Now, will it change if you have a sudden uh, increase or decrease in temperature? Absolutely. Last fall, I shot the match, I think it was in September, when, I believe it was the September match, the silhouette match that I'm talking about. That particular match in September, I believe at the time we started the match, it was around 75, 78 degrees, something like that. A month later, in October, it was 38 degrees, a 40-degree swing, and I can absolutely guarantee to you, because it happened to me, I had a full two mils difference, or actually, I think it was one mil difference, now that I think about that, I think it was one mil difference in drop at 200 yards, shooting Lapua Cinerex. Not only did my Cinerex, you know, slow down drastically, in the colder temperatures, my groups opened up as well. Well, you know, that's pretty dramatic, pretty drastic. But here's the thing. I knew where it should be. So when I adjusted the scope to the uh, six mils, I believe if I remember correctly, um, it was, you know, six mils from a, a 25 yard zero. And suddenly it was really obvious. I need seven. I could shoot. Every time I would take a shot, I would see where my point of aim was. I could see where the bullet was impacting. And it was, you know, blatantly obvious. I need to add a mill. So we take that back to the preparation for a match. And really, this is something that I would recommend you do, not just for a match, but just for anything you're going to do with your rimfire rifle. Take the rifle. And there's tons of different apps that are available. Uh, there's different programs you can use on your computer. Uh, there's so many different tools that we have access to. And a lot of them are free. And they're great. There's some paid ones that are great too. And I'm not going to you know, hype up or talk about specific apps or websites. But I'll give you some that I use that have given me really good data. Um, JBM Ballistics, I think, is probably uh, the best one out there, but it does run off of your computer. There isn't an app you can use. 
but it's so easy to do. And this is something I do every single match. Even though I have probably 20 apps on my phone, and these are everything from apps that came from Bushnell and Nikon, even though I don't shoot their scopes, to Lapua, and um, let's see, there's Geoballistics, uh, let's see, Ballistics AE, or Applied Ballistics. Uh, I mean, I, I've got them all. <laughs> Straylock, Straylock Pro. And what's interesting is, with very few exceptions, if you put the proper information in, they all will give you the same results. So it really comes down to just find one that you understand, you like, and use it and get used to using it. But again, something I do um, you know, before every match, I'll pull up JBM on my laptop the day of the match. That morning, I'll go in, I'll update the atmospherics, um, which typically there's very little to update because these matches are shot in the same locations each month. And I'll go ahead and run a ballistics table and I'll save that to Google Drive or, uh, you know, I'll, I'll send a link to myself in my email or something like that. Just so I've got something else that I can either take a picture of it, like a snapshot on my phone or something so I don't have to worry about it. But I do that just so I've got that, you know, some sort of a, a copy on my phone. But also, I go back and look at the numbers that JVM has generated, and I compare that to the notes that are already in the, the shooter's book that I talk about and talk about in multiple episodes that I keep with me. I keep that book with me, and it has the dope on every one of my rifles in it. And not only is the dope there, but I've taken pictures of the pages, so I have a digital copy of it too. But I go back and compare it just to see how much things have changed. And as I said, outside of a really drastic, you know, 40 degree temperature change, the changes are minimal. But the most important thing is I know the dope. I know where it should be to begin with. So you're like, Chris, you spent 10 minutes talking about this and you were originally talking about the stage layouts and why it's so great that we have these ahead of time. What's great about it is, you know, like we said, you know the targets you're shooting at, you know their size, you know what you're shooting off of, but you also know the distance. So what I do is I take, I print off the stages and then when I print them off, I'll go to each stage and I write down what my scope adjustment needs to be on each of the, the ranges. So like for example, in this month, uh, the June, uh, course of fire. Stage one has a tar or has a know your limits target at 30 yards and, and a know your limits at 50 yards. Well, I'm not going to touch my scope. It's going to be on zero. I'm not touching it. I'm going to hold and I'm going to shoot. No worries. On the second stage, that one's at 80 yards. I'm going to go ahead and dial 0.9 mils. On uh, the third stage, targets are at 50 and 100. All right, I'm going to go back to my zero stop for the 50. I'm going to dial 1.8 for 100. The next stage, 75 yards and then 100 yards. I'm going to dial 0.7 mils for the 75, 1.8 for the 100. The last stage of the NRL match, 
targets at 50, 75, and 100 yards. So again, I'm going to zero it out on the 50, 0.7 on the 75, 1.8 on the 100. And that's written on the stage layouts, the sheets that I'm, I've got of the match. I know this ahead of time. So the first thing that I'm going to do when I get there, so I'm going to make sure I've got, or when I'm leaving, I'm going to make sure I've got those printouts with me, just because now I don't even really need to go back and look at anything. I don't need to go check a ballistic app. Um, I don't have a Kestrel, but if I did, I wouldn't need to pull that Kestrel out all throughout the match to keep checking atmospherics when, again, we're only talking shooting 22 out to 100 yards for an NRL 22 match. The changes are minimal at best. Now, um, you know, I've talked about this a whole lot, just trying to drive home the point that instead of trying to figure out what you should be doing at the match, if you can go ahead and get that data together, you got your rifle ready, make sure you got your bipod, make sure you got a rear bag, um, make sure you got other bags or whatever you want to do. Um, you can only use one state, one, um, one piece of equipment, bipod doesn't count as a piece of equipment, but you can only use one per stage, but make sure you have all those things together. You know, load it up the night before if you can, but hey, if you park outside, don't do that, but just have it all ready and make sure you're not looking for things at the last second when you're trying to run out the door. Sounds like common sense. Uh, I normally keep a range bag that has a set of tools in it. Um, you know, it has everything that's, that, I mean, I could totally take the barreled action out of the stock could completely take the scope off. I could change zero stops. I could, I, I could do everything on that scope with a set of tools. So I always have those with me. I always, <laughs> I say always, but again, yeah, I didn't this time. Um, I typically always have my sap sling. It's in that same range bat. Um, normally, my open chamber indicator is in there. That specific one wasn't, so I had to use a different one. But I had extras, and that's key. Make sure you have your things together. Make sure you have all your magazines together. If you only have one magazine, no sweat, but make sure you've got it. If you've got multiples, make sure you have them ready. Make sure you've got a way to keep them organized, keep track of them. Um, this past weekend, one of the things that um, I kept having happen, um, and it's a great thing is it's just a lot of youth shooters and, and they're learning, but um, we were constantly picking up magazines and picking up um, uh, chamber flags that were getting left, you know, when, when the group, uh, when the squad would move from one stage to the next, someone would forget to put their, uh, chamber flag in, or they'd leave their magazine when they took it out to put the chamber flag in. So it's different things like that, but make sure you have everything prepared and ready to go. And then that way life's good. All you got to do is get up on time, get ready, get out the door, get to the match. So let's talk about Saturday morning. Like I said, got up early. Um, you know, I started really for the first time, and this is again a lack of preparation on my part, but I really started reading through the stages again. The night before, I, I glanced at you know what each stage was, but I really didn't read through it that much. I just made sure I had my dope written down beside of each of the ranges so that it would be very easy for me to know on each stage where I needed to be. But when I, once I started reading through the stage descriptions, 
I'm not going to lie. I was not real excited about shooting this match. I was excited from the challenge standpoint, but I knew it was going to be a very grueling match. A, a ton of movement, which is uh, something that I've, I've had some people actually tell me um, they don't like NRL because of it. They don't like the movement. They like shooting from the bench. Um, personally, I, I kind of like the movement. Um, but this also, when you have a ton of movement and you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down, all of those things um, can point out weaknesses in your system. And sometimes the weakness in the system might be your optic. Sometimes it might be the ammo or the rifle. Sometimes it may be you. And uh, in this particular case, um, even though personally I've been working on getting into much better shape, uh, I was, you know, definitely the weak leak in the system on a couple of stages. Um, I actually even uh, timed out on a stage or two just because I was moving, I was moving fast enough, but I wasn't moving fast enough and fluid enough that I didn't have to, um, you know, take a second to try to find the target in the scope again. Um, I definitely didn't move the way I should have. So as I'm looking at this, I'm starting to get a little anxious because these stages are tough. And, you know, that's, that's one of those things that starts to put a little seed of doubt. Like, I don't know. You know, I mean, you want to go to a match. You want to go confident. You want to know your system's good. Your, your dope's good. You want to go in knowing that everything's good to go. You don't want to second guess things. But now I'm second guessing a lot just because of how difficult the stages look. So when we get to the match, I, I did something that I typically, uh, in the past, um, even though I encourage other people to do it in the past, I normally have not really uh, taken a lot of cider shots or anything like that. Um, just about any match you go to, there's going to be a side-in period where they're going to allow you to shoot a bit just to see, make sure your zero is good and things like that. And in the past, I typically have not done that. Um, part of it was I, I knew that everything was good because I had either been to the range the day before or a couple days before, and I knew everything was in good, good shape. But I didn't have that scenario this time. Uh, I've also not done that a lot in the past because, well, especially with NRL 22, um, I shoot with a youth shooting team. Uh, they're kind enough to let me and a few other folks take part in the matches. And, you know, they are the future of the sport. And so I don't want to take time away from one of those kids getting to shoot because I'm over there tying up a spot. Um, in this particular case, it just so happened when uh, we got there, because like I said, I took a buddy with me. Um, we were some of the first folks to get there and I did go ahead and, and take a few shots at 50 yards and immediately started getting concerned. I wanted to shoot because I wanted to make sure my dope was good. And the very first thing that happened was I realized I'm hitting high. I'm consistently hitting high. It's not a lot. It's 0.2 mils, but I'm hitting high. And, you know, all of a sudden, um, I'm questioning everything. Also, um, we're shooting in a field, and there's not a whole lot to really help you gauge the wind. But it seemed my 
my windage was off just a little bit and I started questioning everything. Well, I questioned it so much that I took the rifle back to my vehicle. I popped the cap off and I was going to reset the turret. I was totally, or not reset the turret. I was going to reset my zero stop because all of a sudden I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. How is my dope off this much? It's not that hot. I mean, I think the hottest it got all day during the match was around 85 or 86, but you know, it wasn't enough to, to give me a velocity swing like I was experiencing. And finally I thought, you know what? It is what it is. I, I know it. It's consistent. The groups look good at 50. I'm just going to hold. And after about 10 minutes, it suddenly occurred to me, Chris, you don't have a 50 yard zero on this rifle. You've got a 25 yard zero. Of course you're hitting point too high. That's what the dope says you should be doing. So, you know, it's one of those things where even though it was right there in that notebook that I keep with me, it's right there in all the ballistic apps. It's even in the screenshots that I took from JBM. I didn't look at it or think about it because I was already questioning so many different things. So, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, getting ready to start a match, trust me, it is not the mindset you want. You want to be confident in what you're doing, not questioning everything. Well, we did start the match and had a fair turnout. Um, some people that weren't able to make it, but still had a, a good turnout for the match. And once we got started, what was interesting is that uh, as we're going from stage to stage, uh, we're all having little hiccups here and there, just little, you know, mental mistakes, things that, things that you should know, you know, and we did know not just myself, but the other shooters as well. We knew better than to do them, but for whatever reason, things just weren't clicking quite the way that we should, it should have for any of us really. But we got through stage one. Uh, I ended up having a couple of misses there, uh, which were totally on me. I mean, it's it's shooting strong side, then sport side, um, and, and switching back and forth. But you're only shooting at 30 and 50 yards. And but like I said, ended up with a couple of misses. Um, we got to the latter stage. And this is the one that really I was most frustrated with myself because I didn't practice any of this stuff at home. I didn't dry fire any. Uh, like I said, I didn't even really read the stage descriptions with any um, with any real focus until the morning of the match at like six thirty or seven o'clock, and I was leaving at you know seven forty five to to head to the match. But the thing about the uh, step ladder is, you know, normally on something like this, I've worked on it at home. I've figured out what position to try for that bottom step what position to get into for step two, for step three, for step four. But I didn't do those things. So I was really, you know, I was a little anxious about it. Um, the craziest part was that I had a game plan going into it, but then I didn't follow my own game plan. It's almost like they said go and my mind went blank. So I, I dropped down uh, kind of a modified prone um, and like I said, this is an 80 yard target. It's two and a half inch, uh, hanger. It's, you know, it's big, but drop down is sort of modified prone. Uh, if I remember right, I think I got some hits there. 
uh, the second step, totally an awkward position, and uh, I muffed it. Third was good. Fourth was good. Coming back down, you know, I'm, I'm having misses. I uh, never did give a hit on the second step. That thing, I, I just, I don't know. But when it was all said and done, I only hit five out of ten on that. And, um, you know, I was really frustrated because it's a stable platform. I should have been able to do better. But I was halfway through before it occurred to me that I had the uh, the very front of the rifle resting on a bag on each of the steps instead of driving the rifle forward so that the magazine and, and was actually pressed against the bag on each of the steps, which gave a much more stable platform. But again, you know, I had a game plan that went completely out the window. Um, the next stage targets at 50 and 100. And this is the one that's, um, this is the one that really gave me a, a workout. You're shooting standing. And what's crazy about this one is I've, I've worked on, especially with dry fire, a lot on, on um, my offhand game. And still have a long, long way to go. But you're standing, three shots at 50, unsupported. And then you're dropping down to shoot prone, three shots at 100, unsupported. And then you're jumping back up to take two shots at 50, unsupported. And then laying back down, two shots, prone, unsupported at 100. And, you know, all the stages for NRL 22, they're 120 seconds, two minutes. Two minutes can be an eternity, um, or sometimes it can feel like an eternity. Um, but, uh, you know, it kind of plays in your head sometimes as well that you've really got to move and you've got to move quickly. And um, one of the guys there, uh, really helpful. Uh, he was, you know, trying to trying to help and calling out time. And um, I think it actually, I can't remember which stage it was. I think it might have been this one or it may have been the, the latter stage. I can't remember. But on one of them, I know he called out 18 seconds left. Well, in my mind, and this is another thing that I did where I was unprepared, Normally, I'm counting my shots. I know where I'm at on the stage. And in whichever stage it was, and like I said, now I don't even remember which one. But when he said 18 seconds, I thought I still had like four. I think I was transitioning, and I thought I had four more rounds to go. So I immediately rushed a shot, worked the bolt. And, and I think I missed on that shot. And then I worked the bolt and got an impact and immediately worked the bolt and started moving to the different target. And they're like, hey, you're done. And I'm like... No, that you know, I, I literally, you know, was trying to get on target and going, the timer's not, or the timer hasn't went off. I've still got time. And they're like, that was your 10th shot. But I mean, literally, I, I was, I was so, you know, trying to make up for lost time. I, I was my own worst enemy there. Um, but then moving over to the, um, the tired stage, um, you're shooting on the left side of a target, or I'm sorry, a tire at 75 and 100. And then you're shooting on the right side. And then uh, getting up and shooting off of a 55-gallon drum and going back and, and forth across those. Um, you know, another good stage. A lot of fun. A lot of movement. Uh, the way that everything is laid out with the, the state or the, the land where we were shooting, we actually had to have two tires to get high enough to be able to see the targets. And uh, that definitely created more of a challenge because two tires stacked on top of each other. There's a lot of wobble there, but, uh, 
yeah, it was a fun stage. Uh, just unfortunately, didn't get a lot of hits. Um, the last stage was uh, really a challenge um, because the targets were at 50, 75, and 100, so no big deal there. But it was the randomness of the order that you were shooting the targets. Like instead of shooting 50, then 75, and 100, and then coming back 175, 50, or whatever, it was 70, then 50, then 100, then 100, then 50, then 75, and 50, then 100. And it really made you stay on your game. And different people had different ideas on how to shoot it. Some were uh, only adjusting parallax and holding. Like they had, they basically adjusted their scope for the 75 yards. And then they held low for the 50 and high for the 100. Um, and just adjusted parallax. Uh, others dialed everything. I did that. I dialed elevation and parallax on each adjustment. Um, and you know, ultimately it worked out well. I, I got a good score there. Um, ultimately, you know, I wasn't really happy with the way that I shot, but, uh, I, I didn't shoot well. I mean, I, I didn't, uh, I shot well enough to win the match. So I was very thankful for that, but definitely wasn't pleased with my performance. And uh, like I said, it was 100% my fault because I wasn't prepared. I just wasn't prepared going into the match. Now, the neat thing is they had a couple of extra stages. Um, the uh, stage six was called spooling it up. And so essentially you had five targets that sort of made a circle on the hillside and they ranged anywhere from 50 to 65 yards, uh, 80 yards, hundred, and then back to 82. And what was really cool about that is uh, you know, you could run very quickly and we were shooting off of a, a large, like a cable spool. So, um, thankfully it was a really, really solid position to be able to shoot from. Um, and it was one that you also were able to you know, get a really, uh, good look at all the targets and transition quickly. So, uh, very fortunate to run all 10 of those, um, with really no issues there and, um, you know, just, just cook right through it. The last stage though, is called trapped in the middle. And this is one that was shot off of a tank trap. And what made this one so challenging, the targets ranged from 111 yards to 141, 171, and then 166, but you're shooting off of the tank trap. But what was most important about this is we're fortunate that the farm that we shoot on, when you started with the first target, which the first target happened to be a 25% Ipsic, and then we shot a, a steel hanger as a prairie dog and, and like a, uh, a Bigfoot, and then there was an eight inch gong. Generous sizes, but from right where the 25% Ipsic was to left where the eight inch circle was, those were over a hundred yards apart. So not only did you have to shoot off of a tank trap, you had to change positions on the tank trap when changing from one target to the next. And so four position changes and a mag change. You had a total round count of 12 and you, you could change magazines at any point in time. That was allowed, but you had to have a mandatory mag change 
and you had to have three shots on target. And uh, I'll tell you, that one was a challenge, uh, especially with the tank trap. Uh, this one was a little bit shorter. And so uh, all of us, you know, we were, we were working our way around trying to get comfortable there. But all in all, just a great match, but tons of lessons to be learned, especially from the standpoint of not being prepared, not being ready for everything. Um, you know, bonus stages are always going to be something that's part of a match and typically aren't going to be known ahead of time. Um, but the bonus stages aren't what we're, we're technically there for. We're technically there for that NRL 22 match. And there's no reason not to be prepared, not to have all your stuff together. Um, you know, so like I said, learn from my mistakes there and, you know, don't, don't put yourself into this panic position of trying to run all over the place looking for a sling or a bipod or in my case, that, uh, Yahoo tech, uh, open chamber indicator still haven't found that thing. Um, but don't do that. You know, get your stuff together, keep it together. When it's all together, it's easy to, to grab it and go. And especially if you haven't done it already, get a hard copy of the dope for your, the round that you're shooting and keep that somewhere. I promise it's not going to change that much from one month to the next, from one day to the next, one week to the next. That way you're not constantly searching, you know, trying to figure things out because as a great example, batteries die. So if you're relying on your Kestrel and the battery dies, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to go to my phone. Okay. It was 86 degrees and incredibly sunny the entire time we were out there. People's batteries were dying on their cell phones because it was so hot. It was draining the battery. So what are you going to do if the battery dies on your phone? If you don't have a hard copy somewhere, you're going to be in a world of hurt. And I know a lot of people rely on their, um, they're going to rely on their memory. I promise you, I've done that before, and while most of the time it works great, it has failed me several times as well. Keep a hard copy. It will make all the difference. And even if you don't want to take that hard copy with you, if you don't want to take your, your, um, your data book with you, write something down. I mean, there's tons of dope holders that uh, mount on rails, mount on scopes, everything else. If you don't want to do that, no problem. Take a post-it note, cut it in a circle, stick it inside the scope cup with, with the dope on there. But do something so that you've got that information with you and you're not totally relying on electronics. Because Murphy's Law says, whatever can go wrong will go wrong, and it will go wrong at the worst possible moment. So with all that said, just want to, and we're going to wrap up this episode, wrap it up just a little bit early. I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, I hope you're able to pick up a few things there from my mistakes. Um, don't let them happen to you. And again, reach out to us, whether it's through the Facebook group, through Instagram, through the website, through email. Let us know what you've learned the hard way. Let us know how we can help. Go out, go shoot, shoot straight, have fun. Remember, it's not just a 22. It's from Fire Tactical.